on, Frankie. We stay ready. No you tell them the talent is here. We don't need to prove nothing to nobody. Comedy style. Comedy style. Comedy style. Comedy style, baby! Eventually, I was able to speak Spanish and English fluently, which led to the discovery of both Spanish and English. Spanglish. baby br baby r uh you know mr steal your girl mr you already know what it is yo man yo man mr nayari t-shirt that i bought from florida which isn't even original from the place it is in living spanglish yes hi it is vero fuerte and my halloween costume for this year for the show is ricardo mexicano uh but it is your host uh here introducing the real baby r is well, you know, little fuerte. Sorry, you guys. I took a shot before I came here. Anyway, introduce yourself, Mexicano. I feel so insulted because you forgot uh, Mr. Give Your Girl Back. I'm not a, I was I'm, trying. I'm okay, not a, I was I'm, trying to think of, I was like, what is all his monikers that he always goes through? I was like, I know it's our baby, baby R, Mr. Steal Your Girl. And after that, like, Mr. it was. Mr. Give Your Girl Back. I'm not, I'm, not all, a, I'm not a selfish monster. I'm going to give her back. It's all like white noise to me after a certain point. You know, I live with you. So, like, everything you say pretty much is. You know, in one ear, out the other, pretty much. But which is, yeah, which is crazy because everything that you say is completely contained in my brain. Yeah, 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 Nothing yeah. Escapes which me. I think I think that just shows this, uh, like uh, the difference in how our brains operate in general. The polar opposite, aka my brain is better. Whatever. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Uh, Mexicano, you want to introduce yourself, Mexicano? I don't got to. They know what it is. Baby, all oh, our yeah, yeah, you already know what it is. Yeah, Did I say on. that part? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no further introduction. It's like, you know, it's like when you go to the chapel, you know who you're talking to, you know? You're talking to, yeah, G-O-D, me. Well, unless you're Catholic, then you're talking to the priest who's talking to the God, ain't right? No, ain't Isn't no, that how ain't, that works? Ain't no man before me. Yeah, like Catholicism or some shit? I don't know. I don't know, I don't I don't know. know what I that is. I grew up with that stuff, and I siphoned it. I don't, I don't, it I don't know what that is. But hi, hello. Hi, this is In Living Spanglish coming at you with a spook well not really spooky i don't know we thought it would be fun to try to do like sort of a halloween slash dia de los muertos episode of sorts so this is our attempt of doing that uh but before we get into all of that fun stuff we're gonna hit you with the you know what you love it it's the latinx birthdays so uh happy happy birthday to this leyenda herself october 25th to celia cruz you already know what it is it's queen of salsa music uh, we know her, we love her, so happy posthumous birthday to her. All right, cool. So, once again, uh, ILS, we got a guest coming up. We are in spooky season, and because of that, we thought it would be cool to have something related to that. So, coming up, we'll have somebody kind of explaining um, the Dia de los Muertos and all that kind of thing. So, stay tuned, and yeah, um, ho- hopefully you guys enjoy it. 
All right, and here we are with the In Living Spanglish podcast. This week, we are treating you to a very special guest, William Hiron from Artes de la Rosa, right? And you are the head honcho over there, basically overseeing most of everything, setting up for the Dia, los, Dia de los Muertos celebration that's going to happen uh, this week in Fort Worth. Is that right? That is correct. So thank you for the opportunity and invitation to be on your program. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So first things first, um, William, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. You're from Guatemala. Am I right? Or yes. 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 Uh, so I was born in Guatemala. I uh, came here at the age of five, uh, was and here literally to Fort Worth. Uh, so was have been raised here. So I, I consider myself a Fort Worthian. Uh, and um, so, yeah, uh, it's uh, my family. Uh, my parents are from Guatemala as well. My siblings are from from here. Awesome, awesome. Y you were telling us a little bit before we actually uh, started the official recording is that you have a background in both economics and nonprofits. So, what is what was the beginning of Artes de la Rosa, and how did that get roped into um, um, you know being with Dia de los Muertos this this year? Yeah, well, it's a little bit of history with Artes de la Rosa, kind of stepping back. It's really the central point is the Rosemarine Theater, historic Rosemarine Theater, uh, is what gave the birth of the organization itself. Uh, it was built in 1914. Uh, it's uh, it, it's registered on the historical national uh, as a historical national landmark. Uh, kind of fast forwarding it to the second owners, you had the Birkenhalters. It was a couple who uh, managed the theater. Uh, this was during the time when Mexico was distributing uh, lots, tons of Mexican films worldwide. And uh, the wife would fly down or go down to Mexico and bring up uh, famous Mexican actors and actresses. Uh, we had uh, here in our stage, Pedro Infante, Cantin, Flas Maria Felix, uh, just to name a few. And uh, this was during a time where segregation also happened out here. Uh, and Main Street was the dividing line. There was also a high influx of Mexican immigrants that were coming uh, to Fort Worth because of uh, one major employer here in Stockyards. But um, the family who owned it then, they didn't have the funds uh, basically to um, remodel it. And there were community leaders that wanted the theater to come back alive because it was very deeply rooted with the families. This was the only place Latinos can bring their families to have some form of entertainment. And the first Mexican-American was voted into the city of Fort Worth. His name is Luis Zapata, which the theater auditorium is named under. Uh, it got renovated and hence the birth of Latin Arts Association of Fort Worth, which is now doing business as Artes de la Rosa. Started with uh, small programming, an after-school, informal after-school program. Now it has evolved, you know, with a formalized program called Artes Academy uh, that caters to third to 12th graders, uh, focusing on five elements, student character development, social emotional learning, life skills, strengthening literacy, and STEAM initiatives. At the end of each session, uh, the students are able to do presentations uh, or live theater performances, dance performances. Uh, the, uh, the five different uh, classes that we have is creative writing, theater performance, dance, um, visual arts and technology arts. And then we have the second pillar, which is the cultural public education. Here's where we have the festivals. Here's where we have um, concerts, uh, art exhibitions. 
And as you mentioned, uh, one of the festivals that is leading up currently is we transition from Hispanic Heritage Month celebration into Dia de los Muertos. This year, we're dedicating uh, te for technically celebrating the lives of lost loved ones overall. But in particular, this year is very special only because of so many lives that were lost last year mm -hmm. due to the pandemic and are still being lost. And it's unfortunate that the high statistics are within the minority community. So uh, we're here to provide uh, some type of joy in the midst of, of at the same time respecting, you know, uh, the lost loved ones, but bringing some type of joy, remembrance, celebration of their lives. And we rebranded our Dia de los Muertos, which this year will be our 18th our annual. Uh, rebranded re it to Dia de los Muertos in Fort Worth, Celebración de Vida y Cultura. And uh, we're making it bigger. We've transitioned from a procession in the evening festival now to a parade in the morning and taking it to Marine Park to allow social distancing as well. We'll be providing um, a wide variety of entertainment. Plus, there will also be vaccinations uh, and getting encouraging, you know, to to flatten the curve, uh, you know, for, for the numbers that, that are still not there for in our community. So I guess uh, my question is, how does it feel to like be a part of something that, you know, 18 years, you know, that's a very, very like monumental um, time to really um, have something like this, you know, continue to like grow. So I can imagine like when it started, you know, you probably most people couldn't foresee it being what it is now. So, um, you know, how, how does that speak volumes to like just the amount of uh, dedication and love people have really put into like this type of celebration? Yes. Um, you know, as we're growing it, well, one of the, the other milestones that we're doing besides the rebranding, if you will, of the name, uh, we have great partners uh, that include the city of Fort Worth, um, the uh, Fort Worth Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, uh, Visit Fort Worth and the National Law a Latino law enforcement uh, organization as well that uh, have stepped up, you know, to assist in, in, in helping us expand, you know, this, this celebration and it's deeply rooted, rich history uh, with the community. And, and um, again, it's towards the end of the year, but uh, lots of uh, uh, emotions, uh, positive emotions, you know, at the same token, there's some sadness sort in there. But it, yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. Bittersweet mm. is an excellent word. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm really excited. I know for sure I'm definitely going to be there because I love everything surrounding the other Los Muertos. Um, a random question, though. It just came into my head. Does Guatemala hmm? celebrate the other Los Muertos? Guatemala does celebrate. I yes. did not know yes. that. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Some portions, not necessarily the whole country, but yeah. No, I... Interesting enough that you're asking because in the parade, we are actually. Uh, the one who is participating with us is the Guatemalan consulate. Oh, cool, cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. No, I ask because I was just uh, visiting my family uh, last weekend, and it just it really kind of hit me how my family doesn't necessarily celebrate. And we're Mexican, right? And my family doesn't necessarily celebrate Dia de los Muertos, but I know some families that like through and through religiously every year do. So it's not just it's. I find it interesting because it's not just like a cultural thing sometimes it can be a familial thing and how it's passed down right that is that is absolutely correct um 
you know, we're the only Latino cultural center here in Tarrant County, and that's where we pride ourselves as far as with our mission, you know, in preserving um, the, the lives and the art, culture, history of the Latino culture overall for everyone mm -hmm. to enjoy. And when we say overall, just because we have the same color skin doesn't necessarily mean the we same tradition. We all have tradition. the same background, right, the same traditions, exactly. todo, todo, sí, right, sí. Right. So you talk to abuelitos, abuelitas, yes, I remember that. And then as, as you know, their kids get older and have their own kids, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's passed on in that mm -hmm. aspect. But, you know, you have films like The Book of Life and, and Coco, uh, specifically Coco now, you know, it uh, allowed uh, to that educational uh, component nationally, you know, and and uh, being more exposed and uh, for others who weren't aware of it or or really didn't know the significance mm -hmm. of it. And it makes it more digestible too for like little kids who like just like uh, my little sisters who are ten and five who you know don't I I wouldn't say aren't always like uh, besides the food you know uh, aren't always the most uh, engrossed inside their culture you know when they watch movies like that it's like oh we do that oh that's us you know it's very important yeah. for them to have things like that I think yeah. you know what's you know what's crazy I think I watched something recently where it really talked about like how different even in Mexico how different Day of the Dead is celebrated when it comes to like maybe your more metropolitan areas as opposed to yeah. like your well compared to like the more, more rural, rural, you know, little chiquito, uh, los pueblos más chiquito, yes. and how like in the the small towns, it's more of a very humble, um, religious thing, and how yes. in the bigger cities, it's, it's more just like a you know a festival kind of thing. Yeah, you know, more parade. Yeah, it's yeah, more yeah, it's yeah. more parade like, and like, and I think I saw like an interesting fact where I think Mexico City didn't ever have a parade like an actual like official day of the day parade until like 2017, I think. It was like crazy to think of that, that that had never oh, happened before then. I didn't know that. Part, part of that actually had to do with the, the uh, James Bond film. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, Spectre. Yeah, because in, 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 James, yes. in the James Bond film Spectre, they, they had like a whole like crazy like opening scene of like they, them in Mexico City. And it's like this beautiful, like they're going around. You see all the Katrinas and the floats and everything. Mm -hmm. And then like I think because of that, people realize like, oh, crap, we've never done <laughs> – I don't think Mexico LDF had never done a, a big festival like that. And because of that, they decided to find like, oh, we got to put on now. Yeah, yeah, yeah because yeah, like yeah. because they put the, the pressure on us. Yeah, because the interest was there, and then like like you mentioned earlier, and yourself, like you know, Coco, the Book of Life, they mm -hmm. finally like it really started rising into this like prominent mainstream audience to where like for the first time, you know, not just America but across the world, people were finally exposed to this type of celebration. Yeah, you know, and what I find interesting, and that's something for us that's very important, you know, in, in keeping tradition. And when we say tradition, because, you know, I always, I, I've been asking earlier this year, again, we're transitioned from a procession to a parade. Mm -hmm. There is a difference between both. The procession is more tied religiously than the parade. Parade, I mean, you hear parade and you already know it's, 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 it's very festive and, and it's, the, the, the meaning is a little bit different. So what we're trying to do this year is incorporating still within, keeping within our tradition of the procession that we've been doing all along and incorporating within the parade. So we're trying to see how that, you know, blends itself in, if, if it's able to work in that aspect or, or, or for, you know, next year, you know, we have to do a split, you know, and still keep that tradition because we don't want to lose that, that aspect of it. But um, and that overall, you know, still, uh, again, this year, we want to incorporate the procession individuals that participate, normally have participated, 
uh, with the walkers within the, the uh, parade itself. And it will be led by mariachis, you know, uh, and, and uh, we'll hopefully uh, have some drum, drum line as well. We've had that in the past, uh, leading, leading the charge in a, in a festive, but uh, not way over the top type, keeping a balance, let's just say. Yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. Trying yeah. to keep the humility and the authenticity of it with still like, you know, giving a little bit of pump and circumstance, because like you said, we've been through a lot, you know, we need something that, you know, kind of, you know, get hyped about, so to speak. So, so just with this kind of rising interest in, you know, uh, Latino culture, such as the Dia de los Muertos, have you seen like a more eagerness like to, you know, you mentioned like the city of Fort Worth and, and, and things of that such to where they're, they're, you know, you're partnered with them. And is it more of a, not to say that, that the interest wasn't there, but is it more apparent now that people are very uh, eager to want to be a part of things like this? I I want to sort of like add on to this because it seems it seems to me just from a personal standpoint that these last couple of years there's been sort of there's been a sort of a, a surge of interest for our Latino community you know that wasn't there before you know and I mean to to your credit and to everybody's credit that's been you know part of the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and you know everybody that's been doing this for years and years and years I'm sure you guys have noticed on some level that like just our culture and like the things that matter to us and like has has sort of been amplified these past couple of years to the point where it's gotten main more mainstream attention yeah well you know the the beauty of this is if you look at it from the artistic standpoint art itself it's a narrative it's a story i mean and all of us have a story right and the narrative, even with this pandemic, it, it brought the artistic side or the arts up to the forefront. Why? I mean, because that's how people are able to express themselves through film, through music. And that's one of the components that also unites people together, which is, is can be universal, right, with music. So all these different elements, uh, you know, uh, disciplines within the art have also helped us and, and you know, well, in the things is, as you mentioned, uh, these last couple of years, there's been a lot of other social issues that have also brought things to the forefront and that's a good point. Escalated the frustrations of the minority, putting it just like that, you know, the minority community that um, enough is enough type, you know, and you've seen all these again, the, these uh, aspects, social issue aspects that it's time to face it, you know, and if not, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, um, but even with that, so then you have all these elements right now, the hot topics are DIA, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, I've been telling people that's what we've been working all along, you know, as far as Latino culture, you know, the arts itself is very difficult to fundraise as a whole. It's even tougher when it's a minority arts organization oh, to, yeah. to, to, to fundraise, you know, it's, it's you're like double doubling it up, you know, and, and trying to bring in quality, affordable programming for our nuestra comunidad, you know, and that is something for us that, you know, for me personally, that I'm passionate about, you know, seeing again from our little kid, our students here, you know, I always tell uh, individuals the, uh, they say, oh, so are they going to be actors, actresses? No, we're not really. If they, We're blessed if they go into that route. But what we're teaching them are transferable skill sets. 
that apply to their personal life or classroom life. Well, personal life, classroom life, and then I say the board li- boardroom life. The mm-hmm. boardroom life. Yes, we our expectations with our students. They will be decision makers, sitting at the table, making decisions at whatever capacities that if it's in the public or private sectors, you know. But that uh, they have that assertiveness, that knowledge. Education is key, you know, and that motivation, and have that outlet or have an outlet, utilizing you know the arts in, in a way to be creative, problem solvers. You know, always challenge them. Uh, for every one problem, there should be three solutions. Because if you tell somebody, bring me one solution, they come back with zero. But wow, guess what? that's good. Times, I'm going to start incorporating like that in my own life. Shit, that's awesome. <laughs> that's really So, no, it's, it's uh, you know, and, and apply not only to the students, but even to adults. And I try to apply that. It's the same thing in, in my life. So, yeah. But, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's. So I'm hope, I hope I did answer your question. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely you did. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good, William. So I'm curious, I mean, um, because you said that you have a background in economics and all of this wonderful stuff that you started with, um, Arte de la Rosa is just like absolutely amazing. And I'm just curious, did you have um, any experience in school, like with a theater program or any arts program, anything like that? So interesting, yes. Um, interesting you say that uh, or ask that question because so I grew up in church and in church I was exposed to choir. I participated in choir and and, and church plays. Uh, as we got into you know uh, middle school, got into sports, and then in high school, uh, still playing sports. And it, it's interesting because um, sitting with you know football players around, uh, I think tenth, uh, eleventh grade. And the choir teacher comes in. She was very bubbly personality, and she comes in and and into the lunchroom, and she's like, "Hey guys, I know you're all tough and big, and you know into the sports, but we're looking at doing um, a musical, and I'm really needing muscle and guys that could possibly sing." And <laughs> she says, uh, "Does anybody know? Uh, I think Barbaran, the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. You know how the yeah. different voices." Yeah, yeah. So uh, somebody, one of the guys started joking around and he, he made one of the voice and I started harmonizing. She said, you, you two, I need y'all to come with me, you know. And then She already knew. Yeah. She already knew. It's yeah, like, yeah. but you know what? It's always been in my heart. Music, music. I love music. If in a different lifetime, I probably would have gone in, in a route of being a musician, you know. But uh, again, uh, I find uh, for me, you know, uh, People, I mean, they they write what they feel, right? In, in mm. poetry, but in music, they're putting their hearts out in, in any of, of the forms, right? Uh, it could be through visual arts and, and what have you. But uh, with music, for me, it does hit home because it's like you hear, you start listening to lyrics or reading the lyrics, and it's like, wow, that's why people connect because yeah. I'm not the only one going through something that somebody, you know, someone it's else universal. has to do. Yeah. Do you play any instruments, William? Uh, not really good but yeah the piano guitar and I, and I like that because uh we the whole story told told about uh the football players and all that and the theater teacher because i think it really does go to show that there are definitely a lot of people out there who possess like this you know maybe uh, um maybe they don't even realize it themselves but that they have this talent this um this untapped potential to do something that they maybe just never thought they could do, but it was because of that like exposure or like somebody being like, you know what, I think y'all be good for this. 
And, and that's rip, what your yeah. program like amplifies yeah. a lot, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. You know, uh, one as you you were saying that one thought that comes to mind. Playing, I like football, right? And Cowboys all the way, right? And uh, Herschel Walker. I don't know if y'all read a story on him. Mm-hmm. He took ballet classes, but that gave him opportunity to be flexible when he was running and out on the field. That you know, and, and it, it's encouraging to hear, and you hear more nowadays as well with football players that do play music, write songs, or, 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 you know, paint, or, you know, are, are involved within the arts as well. And it, it does make an impact. Again, within the arts, it, it allows those different transferable skill sets, you know, for... Like public speaking, for, all of that. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, and, yes. Oh, I was going to say, and it also, like, just goes to show, especially in, like, you know, the, the Latino community that um, both males and females, that we're not just this one stereotypical monolith you know that we're all like this like constant portrayal that you've seen in media that there are people who are that are uh, interested in certain arts and certain activities that you know maybe didn't fall in line with like the quote-unquote like culture like traditional of Mm -hmm. like you know hispanics and just letting them be them and like just you know seeing what they could create see what they you know produce out of all that do you feel like um First of all, I guess my question is, how does the students even come to know about your program in the first place? Like, is it something like, are there flyers like uh, put out in their schools like, hey, or you want to join this program? Come check it out. Um, so that's the question. And I guess the other question is, do you find yourself that when they do join, that a lot of times it's the first time they've ever been immersed in a program that's been specifically about getting in touch with their more creative side versus you know all academics or all you know just straight up work you know like from what they probably get at home excellent question or questions actually (laughs) um so let's see if i can uh, remember all of them um so how what we do collaboration collaboration is key for us um you know again with the past experience I've, i've had i think it's helped me uh, one, it, it has helped me build and cultivate relationships from my previous uh, employers or places of employment that, I, that I've been at, which have and, and, and even with the skill sets that uh, I've added into my toolbox, uh, bringing it here, collaboration plays a key factor. We work with um, uh, Fort Worth Independent School District or other independent school district, but primarily them since they're here based in Fort Worth the largest uh, school district in Tarrant County, um, working with the neighborhood associations or other nonprofit organizations like uh, Hispanic Women's Network. Um, uh, there was an organization called uh, Hispano Exito, uh, again, with the Chamber of Commerce as well, just to name a few. But again, that, that plays very, uh, it, it's, it's part of the strategic planning aspect for me. Um, because then they become ambassadors. I always welcome them whenever, because I've been, this December will be three years here where I'm sitting at the hot seat. Um, but when I started, the first six months for me was very, also very important to go around town. You know, speaking with like the cultural district, the museums, uh, Fort Worth Opera, the Clyburn, where Latinos at times don't feel comfortable or don't mm-hmm. feel welcome at times, right? Yeah. And we've had great partnerships with them 
And, you know, I think the stars align because when leadership changed here, leadership changed with other organizations too. And as we, I sat and, and went to go meet with them, um, you know, appreciated their, their, their work with us in the past. But you know how you hear in music, the one hit wonders? Mm-hmm. It's like, let's build sustainable collaboration. We're all part of the ecosystem here, you know, and we're trying to build an educated workforce in the end. Uh, at the same token, you know, one common thing that I, I kept hearing was um, we want to uh, diversify our audience, bring in more Latinos. And I'm like, we're trying to diversify our audience, too. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so working along with them, cross promoting uh, with their followers as well, uh, giving exposure, learning more about their programs so that it gives exposure to our kids and our families being a bridge of connecting and feeling welcome give one of our great partners uh kimball museum they created a committee called nuestro kimball to let the spanish-speaking and just the hispanic community know of all the programs great programs that they have uh i serve on their their that committee and and again bridging connecting and educating um additional added value is open just like they do at school not trying to reinvent the wheel but open house mm-hmm. let's bring our donors open house and they get to see hands on let's bring parents in let them see what what kids you know the the instructors and the kids in action and one of the things that we pride ourselves for me very very whole dearly and i always tell people we want nothing but the best for nuestra comunidad our students and our community uh, these last three years, we were blessed through a grant with Facebook. We were able to acquire the latest laptops. Um, there's a software called Procreate that professionals use out there, you know, in drawing the digital world. And somebody had told me, uh, well, don't you, why don't y'all start off the kids with, the, you know, a, a more scaled down? And, and I remember one of the teachers that, that we had here, um, she said, an ex teacher in, in within this ISD system, she said, oh, you'd be very surprised how kids just absorb. And if you think about it, we live in a technological world now that they get a, they get a, sponges. a, a cell phone. Yeah, uh, sponges, but they get a little or their cell phone, which is technically a small computer. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they're teaching the adults you know, how to use it. Oh, yeah. But, you know, with this, that that it stuck with me. And it's like, why not? Why can't I remember seeing the color wheel and it, I was like, okay, yeah, that looks difficult. Next thing you know, the two week workshop that we had, kids have produced um, a, uh, a one, a virtual book of their life, like chapters of their life and a traditional book. Wow. And, you know, just seeing the, those different components come to life. Wow. Very touching. And you know how you were talking about, well, with programs like this, bringing that self-confidence we love to have shy kids come here mm-hmm. because by the time they leave, they won't be shy with us, with the public, you know, self-awareness, self-assurance, self-confidence in a safe space, you know, safe haven environment. Because we also don't know where we're kids, you know, their backgrounds, you know, what they're living or what they're going through, but having a safe space here with them and that they can meet other individuals like-minded that love the arts, that, that want 
you know, to to be free and express themselves. Uh, I just found it really fascinating what you said, because I know that a lot of times that we can try to do a lot of good with a lot of programs and stuff, but or just anything in general. But if people don't know, that's like half the battle. You know, you have to you have to make sure people know about what you're trying to do, um, which is, again, why we're so glad that you're here. Would you say that uh, like all different parts of Fort Worth are knowledgeable of the outreach that you guys are trying to put out and uh, if not what are some of your plans to try to connect more with that with those different parts of the community like Southside, different things like that no great question um you know that's been unfortunately that's been one of the aspects of the the uh hurdles that we've had throughout the years is that exposure i as an example i grew up in diamond hill never knew about this place had i known i, mm-hmm. I and my siblings probably would have came here the way I came about it is uh, one of the uh, past employers that there were Hispanic chamber. I used to work with them many years ago. The way I knew about it, I would drive by at times and, oh, there's lights and, and you know, and there's a whole bunch of cars. I wonder what they do there, but never really stopped and, and you know, and checked. And um, not until there was a board member that was, well, he was a board member there at the chamber. He was also on the board here and he approached me and say, hey, we're looking at starting a new program um, that's catering to professionals, you know, and trying to have a, a audience development engagement. Uh, this type, that would be one of the responsibilities for this organization. And we thought that you, you know, you'd be a good fit in, in working with us. And came here, found out what they did, fell in love with it. That there's a lot of priceless moments that happen here. And here we're also trying to balance now the English speaking community with the Spanish speaking community having them blend as well because you know at times again just because you have the same color skin doesn't mean yeah that you you came up the same way you know people come up all different ways you know yeah absolutely that's awesome and i think uh last question william if you'll indulge me okay you said that you're from guatemala right do you have a a spooky leyenda or folktale of sorts that uh, you heard growing up that you want to share with us? Because that's going to be our next segment. So we figured that you'd uh, we'd ask you to be a part of it. La Llorona. Ah, <laughs> the name yeah. is La Llorona. You better, you know, again, just that growing aspect of how parents have, uh, you know, you better be, you know, don't not cry in public because, you know, La Llorona's going to come and get you. <laughs> so those, the, 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 tactics if you will of, of uh, you know getting uh trying to get some control with with kids uh but yeah no la llorona was one and it, it's interesting again like you said with these last couple of years it's that's become a uh a thing and more i mean there's hollywood came knocking on the they, door I think right they came out with a movie or something recently mm-hmm. didn't they yeah, it was part of the uh, the conjuring series yeah that's yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Look at what happens when we get popular, y'all. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, that's not even touching the surface of it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I know. So, I mean, and like I said, thank you so much for coming on again. I mean, I think that's something that we are not necessarily a very formal type of show, but I feel like something that we share between like, um, you know, because I've looked into Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, like I've I've been reading up on you guys and what you guys uh, do around the community, like before, you know, this interview or this podcast. And I've just always been impressed with how much heart there is into it. And I feel like that's something that, again, like 
even though like we do things kind of in a different style here we all sort of understand that like the outreach and the unity that we want to have with our community is very much we all have very much the same goals so thank you so much william for coming on here it means a lot so thank you very much again uh, uh, for the opportunity yeah and uh, finally so this saturday uh october 30th it's starting on the north side, right, and going down Main Street, I believe? Yes. So, actually, I'd like to invite you all. Uh, it's Friday, actually. Friday, okay. So kind of three things that are happening. We have an art installation or art exhibit, Dia Los Muertos, that mm-hmm. technically started already October 22nd through November 22nd. Now, we, yes, we know that Dia Los Muertos is November 1st and November 2nd, but this is part of the in- art installation. So, this Friday, we'll have uh, live entertainment, 6 to 9.30, here in the theater, uh, we'll be screening the film, Coco. We'll have live entertainment and people that want, just want to come and go and see the art installation that, you know, they're welcome. And then Saturday is the big one uh, from 10 to 12. We will have the parade from uh, starting from Central going down Main Street uh, and then uh, turning on Spring Hill Suites on Ellis and coming back to Marine Park. Then that's where the, the, the festivities begin from 12 to 4 at Marine Park with mariachis. Uh, ballet folklorico, uh, a whole bunch of other surprises, food, entertainment, music. Uh, and we'll also have a Dia los Muertos attire contest. All right, yeah, Thank definitely going to check it out. Yes, yes, absolutely. You heard it, folks. The Dia de los Muertos, Fort Worth. Come check it out. All right, we are back. Uh, once again, thank you to William Giron from the Artes de la Rosa Center mm-hmm. for that great interview. And uh, yeah, make sure everybody check out the. Uh, the other events happening. Yeah, this, this weekend, weekend starting on Friday, uh, going into the weekend. The other Muerto, you know, it's happening. Okay, you guys, what we have coming up. We got the Leyendas. The, yes, the horror, yes. Well, actually, the you spooky. Were, yes, spooky of sorts. Well, I yeah. don't know. It really depends. Here's the thing about like Latin, uh, Latino or Latinx folklore. If you're from Guatemala, if you're from Mexico, if you're from Salvador, if you're from Venezuela, if you're from any of these places you know that our scary stories are nothing like the scary stories that are told around the campfire with these little american kids you know in like one time in band camp sort of situations okay like our stuff is like on a level of gruesome and violent and murderous and a lot of depression and a lot of a lot of ridiculously knifey bloody violent shit that you probably shouldn't be telling your seven-year-old in order to behave but you know but i appreciate it uh, we're we're latinas this is what we do i appreciate the 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 grotesqueness of these uh folk uh folk tales whatever you want to call them legends like to like really amplify that violence from like a get-go and be like bam this person's gonna stab you uh yeah yeah or it might be why we have like minority like minority based anxiety but you know whatever and completely drown you too like 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 to like tell somebody (laughs) that a woman's gonna like drown you that that's pretty no but it's so good no but it is completely (laughs) fucked up and you know what like uh you know what i learned uh, and actually what i noticed is that did you know that magical realism actually like uh was birthed in like the latino culture like and you know what magical realism is is like basically taking the absurd like the completely ridiculous fantastical and magical and putting it in a real world situation like blending the completely normal with the completely absurd 
And that's basically all of the stories that we've ever been told growing up. It has been birthed from a sort of like very threatening, magical as fuck realism. And while I love that genre in my story, in like my like graphic novels and all the books that I in all the books that I try to read now, it's like it's very like no wonder we are a generation of traumatized children. But you know, that's beside the point. You know, it's it's part of our culture that has a love hate relationship, mostly love. I loved it. I think yeah. I don't think there was a. I think growing up for sure, I don't think there was a. a but a, the adults believe it though. Like that's the thing. That's the main part about it. I is, mean, yeah, but there's also a few who like, like, like this, and this is where like the religious uh aspect comes into it, where it's like. Yeah, yeah, we like telling these stories, but like God got me at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like these, these things uh, ain't gonna uh, do anything. You, you, but you can't juggle. The, my thing is, is that you can't juggle both. You know, you can't juggle God on one hand and be talking about like el cucuy. Yeah, well, actually, coming after you. the cucuy was actually the 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 monster that was going to get you if you didn't behave, right? Uh, because of God, right? So he was sort of like, you know, uh, I don't know if it was necessary about. God, I think. We I just, thought it was. A, I thought I had a because a lot of these stories tend to have religious. Yeah, undertones. undertones yeah, I think that was just most more about just misbehaving children. I don't know if God was putting really that sure much in play. Like, but anyway, uh, so you have one for me, Mexicano? Oh uh, yeah, I, and I feel like I I want to say I haven't told this before, but knowing me, I probably have because I repeat things a lot. Um, so this one happened. Oh man, this happened like maybe like the first time I went to Mexico. And I was like five. And I remember walking at night. I think it was like right before like my grandma or my mom was telling me to come inside the house. And I remember walking. Oh, I remember. I don't know if you told this on this podcast. I don't know. I don't know. I remember walking down the street Uh and there was an old man in front of me. Right. Just a regular old man. I can't really see. I'm walking behind him. So all I see is back. And he's just kind of like, you know, just how an old person generally walks. He's very slow, just very, you know, whatever. And I remember he had a white hat on. And he eventually, he went into like this little alley, right, that was to the left. So he kind of like took that cut and went into the alley. I didn't really think anything of it. I just kept walking. And when I passed that thing, I would expect to see him in that alley or at the very least like walking in in that direction. I passed through that thing. Look to my left, and what I saw was a big dead ass horse, like a like a stallion. And there in this in this what I thought was an alley was literally just a little passageway and then a and then a brick wall. And just a brick wall. And and in it was no there was no doors around it. There was no old man. It was just a horse. Like this this brown this brown horse. And I and, and at at the beginning at first at that age it didn't really struck me as weird. I was just like, oh, I wonder what happened to the old man. And now there's a horse. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, because as a kid, yeah. uh, baby Mexicano was uh, was uh, super naive and super yeah, just accepting of the exactly. world Exactly. I just thought about like, oh, like there's just a horse. It's just, just it, it was just standing See, that's there. that's so very unlike you and your personality, though. Like, literally, the Mexicano that I know nowadays is super on edge and super observant. And a little about and all that. Every, yeah. and over, and over, to the point of it being fucking annoying about yeah. every little thing. <laughs> yeah, so, but, the fact that you don't question a horse in the middle a, of an alley. I was a kid. All right. Yeah, I was, but, a, I was no, a five-year-old right, kid in, in, a, in a country that I'd never been before. Uh-huh. And to me, it was just kind of like... Whatever you know, whatever happened Maybe happened. It's a cultural norm. Yeah, like yeah, I Horses guess. Horses just all over the alleyway. But it wasn't until I got older where I like really thought about it. I'm just like, man, 
I don't. I think that man transformed into a horse. Didn't you also tell me a story about a man in some shoes? I feel like you told me a story about like some like about how your mom like thought she got you some shoes and then it turns out that she didn't get you shoes. Yeah, like it was this some but sh- that wasn't <laughs> Which that, I think is just like uh it, 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 was, was, it was just like a low key way of you like flexing. No, like it's still one of the trippiest things and it's not like supernatural. It has nothing to do with like like demons or anything like that or like supernatural elements. It literally just has to like it it, it deals with like this like experience that felt so real where i want these shoes but my mom wouldn't get it for me and i would like be- and i was begging How old her be- were you? it was it was at the exact same time being in mexico mm-hmm. like i don't know what was happening that time man it yeah. was something you know i feel like that veil Spirits were out to get you. that veil between the spirit world and, uh, yeah, and like the earth lifted. yeah and boy and, was hunting you down yeah Husky. so like i was begging her begging her i want these shoes and they were just like regular like like black shoes like dress shoes almost i don't know why i want them now i think about it but like <laughs> But like I wanted them, and then like for some reason, um, we got up in the middle of the night. And first off, that's already like a red flag. I'm like, why are we gonna get up in the middle of the night? My mom is not gonna get up in the middle of the night to go get me some shoes, right? All the stores are closed. Hmm. It like it's like 10 p.m. out. I should be in bed at this point. And I just remember walking to the store and going in like everything's normal and getting the shoes and leaving. You remember you doing this yourself? How old were you? I was I was five. It was like I said. You it were was the, five years old. Yeah, it was the exact same time that the horse thing happened. It was it was all while I was in Mexico, mm-hmm. and I don't know. My mom Some was with me. I remember my mom was me, with me. She was the one that was t- that took me there, and like going to the store getting the shoes, but I never had the shoes. So like to me, I'm like, was that just a very elaborate, realistic dream? And why why out of everything to dream of, I dreamt about that. Mm-hmm. Like, but it felt to this day so real. Like it was so vivid. Like, unless it really did happen and, like, somebody was nice enough to just let their store open for me to get these shoes. But I don't remember ever having the shoes. So, you never actually got the shoes? No. So, all that and no kicks? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I don't ever remember getting the shoes. Okay. But that, right. that's mine. What about yours? Like I said, that's a really weird one. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Like, here's the thing is, is that when I was a little girl, like, my tia Mari would, like, sit all of us kids down and, like, tell a story from her childhood and, like, like different creepy stuff that happened. But me, myself, other than, like, I already told you the story about how, like, one time I was laying in bed and I, I think that everybody, I think this is more like an Americanized thing. It's like I, I had my foot was exposed, right? And for whatever reason, like I was trying to go to sleep and I could feel something pulling on on it, right? Like, and I'm the kind of person that consistently, like, I don't like to believe, I don't fuck with that stuff. Like people like to mess around with Ouija boards and shit. Like, no, no, no don't play me like that. Like, I don't even so uh immediately once i start to uh, like like feel this little tug at my ankle at first you know i'm just thinking no 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 Vero, it's okay you're imagining like get out of your head you're fine and so i try to go back to sleep and then i feel it again and uh in this time it's like a little like uh, a little harder and i'm just like no 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 no, no, i'm fine like get out of your head you're fine and this i and then i felt like a real actual pull where like my leg actually moved and i freaked the fuck out and so i did what any normal like um i think it was 17 year old at the time would do is i turned on george lopez at three in the morning and i read the bible even though i hadn't touched that thing in like months you know but george lopez is the the holy cure to, yeah. to all uh scares 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, th- I thought you, I thought you were really about to say you were about to get up and go to go to your mom's room and get, get in the bed with her. No, the, the, my mom ain't fucking with that shit. Like she does, she indulges it even way less than anybody else does. Like if I were to, if if I were to have like ran to my mom's room like complaining about that, she'd be like, she'd be like, bitch, go back to bed. You know, like, and not like so many words. Mama, there are demons in my room. Nah, she'd be like, go back to bed, but you're fine. You know, but that's just how that's just how it rolls in the Perez Los demonios. And in in el uh in la casa de Perez. But yeah, that's like my own personal demon story. But uh I did actually kinda wanna share like some folklores. I mean I mean, you and I are both like Mexican or half Mexican, so we know things like La Yorona and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um one actually that I've learned recently that I kinda wanted to share was the folklore of el sombrerón it has mexican roots but it was originated from guatemala and so el sombrerón is the story of this short dark shadowy hooded man with a really 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 large hat right so his whole thing was is el sombrerón liked to braid the manes and tails of horses and also liked little girls with big eyes oh, I heard and about long this one. hair you've already heard yeah. about it okay yeah, yeah. big eyes and long hair well did you actually have you ever heard the origin story about it Oh, I feel like I did, but I can't remember. Okay, well, then I'm going to just tell you that instead. Okay, so apparently uh, there was once this little girl. Her name was like Susana or something like that, right? And there was uh, this little girl with like big eyes and like super long dark hair, right? And she was like always like a really thoughtful, curious, pensive personality. And outside her room, there was a balcony. And what she liked to do is she liked to sit out her balcony and just like stare and just ponder and stuff. Her parents would always tell her, it's like, no, come in. Don't, uh, don't be out there like that. It's getting late, whatever. And then like one day, uh, El Sombrerón comes out there and he starts serenading her with a silver guitar, right? And he starts coming up there and serenading her with the silver guitar night after night after night. Hmm. And uh, he keeps asking her to, like, if he can braid her hair and all of this stuff. And her parents, they start to get suspicious because they start to find dirt in her food, right? And so because of that it's making her really like it makes it impossible for her to sleep that in the combination of el sombrerón playing uh playing serenading her every night it's just basically turning her into an insomniac and stuff and finally her parents they 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 get sick of it they have enough of like this guy basically tormenting their daughter so they cut off all her hair and he disappears forever so Moral of the story is, as a woman, life sucks if you have long hair and if you don't obey your parents because, you know, like, uh, society, like, needs us to conform to everything. The end. And some old man is gonna make some trencitas. Yeah. 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 Basically, like, a creepy old man is gonna come out to get you. Which, I mean, really, the way that it described him, like, short and dark with a very large hat, he could be just a thirsty old dude at a baile. For all we know. He could be. And for some reason, he's braiding your hair. What if it turns out to be, like, really good braids, though? I don't 
care. I don't want an old thirsty ass man braiding my hair. It's creepy as fuck. But do you know? But but esos cuentos, like they. That's the thing about them is that they always had some sort of like moralistic tale to them. You know, like with La Llorona, it was always what was the like moral of the story? Like the for that? moral story? Is there really a moral to that story? Yeah, I, like, it don't, was like don't cheat on your wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, There's a, actually a lot I of think. them, especially from like Mexican folklore. That is always. I feel like a lot of scary stories from our culture stem to like basically warn men to hey like like don't fuck around on your wife bruh you know <laughs> like a lot of them like borrachos or people that cheat on their wives that's usually like where they stem from in order to like uh warn them and stuff but no that one for el sombreron is just basically telling girls to get in line hmm. so yeah that that is my uh leyenda from guatemala el sombreron uh, and what we have next, human beings, is oh, yeah. your presumed favorite. I don't know. I mean, you tell me, really. And just don't tell him because it only makes his head even bigger than it already is. It is a uh, conspiracy corner. Conspiracy corner. Pow. Yes. Conspiracy corner. You already know what it is. So. For this spooky season edition of Conspiracy Corner, mm. and Veronica kind of said it's spooky. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it's spooky. Yeah, yeah, it, it's scary. Uh, <laughs> Veronica kind of said it earlier how like a lot of conspiracies that I talk about, there, 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 there are hints and elements of like it being spooky, you know, already off the back. But for this particular, uh, and let me put out a a disclaimer because if you believe in certain things like this, I would suggest you kind of skip over this. So we'll have that somewhere in the timestamps, but. This goes back into like this. Well, this talks about certain like images or words that, if they're repeated or seen, they can start to affect your what they call your inner your inner chakra, and that it could potentially make you weak and sick and vulnerable mm-hmm. to to you know your physical, your emotional, your 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 mental health. And this conspiracy is called the Solar Plexus Glider. So essentially, what it is is that if you repeat that phrase. Solar plexus glider, depending on how your chakra is, if it's very weak, if you repeat that, you will start to experience certain, like, essentially bad things happen to you. You know? So it's like the opposite of affirmations. Yeah. It's like you repeat these certain words. You're almost like in a mantra, right? If you start saying, like, these words in, a, in, like, a mantra state, you will start experiencing, like, maybe bad things going on in your personal life. Maybe things happen to somebody else that you know. Like, just horrible things are, are apparently supposed to happen. And also, there's there's this image that goes along with it that used to circulate in the late '90s and like chain emails when that was still a thing. Um, oh man! And that if you see it, and if you see this image, you're kind of like essentially cursed for life. And that you'll start seeing this image like around you all the time. You won't be able to escape it. And now you're essentially like you've been open. You've been awakened to these horrible um, things to like happen to happen to you from now on. So you want to see the picture? Yeah. Like, sure. like, like, like I said, like, like. Wait, so this is an email. This is one of those like emails that you use. Yeah, against, like, like if you see the image. You open this email, then you're like cursed for ten thousand yeah. years. So that's the image. Don't show me that shit. Yeah. Like I hate that. Yeah. So like I'll pu- I'll, I'll put it up somewhere up here <sighs> so people can like see it. Uh, for like, those who are subscribed to our in living YouTube, English YouTube video, yeah, exactly. like Please, subscribe, yeah, like subscribe, turn on notification bell, all that. So. That's the, that's the conspiracy that if you see this image or if you repeat re- repeat the uh, the 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 phrase solar plexus uh, 
a clown glider over and over, you so, will. So wait, solar, what do I have to repeat? Solar plexus clown glider. Wait, say that again. What it's do I have there. to repeat? No. I'm not <laughs> doing no. Like I said, if you've made it this far, you probably don't really believe in this. Whatever. Like, so this I, is stuff that that was only around during that very short era of like very scary, threatening spam emails where people actually used to believe that shit? It was part of the spam e- email craze, yes, or like that whole thing that was going on in the late 90s. But I think it, it more so talks about like how there are certain things in life that the moment you are exposed to it, 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 it can bring a, a, uh, it can bring about horrible things. I think that's more of the lesson for it. Like, I just feel like it's the mindset, a uh, mind state that like bad things put you in that like freak you the fuck out. Like, like to that same note, like my brother used to walk into the doorway of my bedroom and just used to stand there and I'd be like, what? And he's like, pero you're going to die in two minutes. And I knew there'd be no reason, but I was so freaked, freaked out. out. Like, yeah. I was just scared. There's no... Oh, I hated that motherfucker so well, much. That's the thing. It's like it's also saying, like, you ultimately have the power. So if you let these things... Get, get into your soul, get, get, get into your spirit. Get into your yeah. soul, like, it's gonna, like, take you down. Yeah. So, I mean, but that's, you know, that's for the people who don't have the blood of Christ, right? Exactly. Okay. I am bathed in it. <laughs> not, no no, no uh, solar plexus clown glider is going to hurt right, Ricardo right. Mexicano. Okay. And that was the part that he's going to, like, very specifically clip out and send to his mother because his mother's been requesting we start, like, uh, we stop saying such uh, things of violento, different stuff. I'm talking about podcast. great things. You're the one that's over here with the with the with ultimate the potty, potty with the yeah. South Park potty mouth. Whatever, I hate <laughs> South Park. But anyway, and that's been conspiracy corner, corner, corner. Oh, How yeah. do you say conspiracy corner in Spanish? Esquina de conspiración. Conspiración. Yeah. yeah. So last thing, moving on. What is the vettel? We have your favorite. We tell you what we, we've been into. Different movies, different artists, different music. You already know what it is. It is Glow, G-L-O, Good Looking Out. I mean, so, technically, Conspiracy Corner is my favorite by numbers, but continue. But anywho, <laughs> all right. So what we have for you this week is something that I've been catching on Apple TV+. Plus. Thank you, Mexicano, for your password. Um, Please stop. It is... Apa, uh, let's see if I, because I've always struggled saying this word. Oh, I know uh, what you, oh yeah, I know what you're yeah. watching. I've always struggled saying this word, and I don't know why. It's apaculpo. Apa? No. Aca, acapulco. Acapulco. See? Oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Anyway, so it's this new show on Apple TV Plus, Acapulco, apparently. It's basically, if you guys have ever seen The Wonder Years, and have ever seen How I Met Your Mother, and have you've ever seen um jane the virgin if you put those three together you don't have the same plot but you very much have the same vibes so uh basically it's a show about like this hot shot millionaire that has already made like a gajillion millions of uh dollars being a hotel mogul and his uh little nephew is coming over to his house for his birthday and he basically says 
uh, it's like, I don't have an actual birthday present for you uh, this year, mijo. What I'm going to tell you instead is going to tell you, like, my come-up stories. You know, how we grew from the streets to being, like, a gajillion-dollar millionaire mogul. And so, basically, that's what the show's about. He basically tells him about his time, you know, like, uh, starting off as, like, a pool boy for this really, really fancy-ass, like, you know how I always talk about white people, Mexico, Mexicano? And, like, how they have, like, those really fancy hotels in Acapulco and yeah. Puerto Vallarta places like that and of course you're going to see like a lot of you know white patrons white guests if uh, you will uh, being serviced by a lot of like respectable Latino men in teeny tiny shorts mm-hmm. and so basically she he tells his story from going from there to basically like owning the entire franchise y todo eso and uh, it comes with like stories of like love and loss and todo eso and uh it's it's a it's a series that's currently still running i think i'm on episode five right now and i am completely caught up so the main character's name is maximo and it is played by uh eugenio Eugenio. uh derbez Mm -hmm. yeah so um he's been in a good amount of couple of stuff everybody else i'm not really all that sure of but um like i said it's it's got a lot of jane the virgin vibes how i met your mother vibes um and also the wonder years vibes because he does take you back through a lot and he uh, he goes through all of this in the whole like you know let me sit you down and tell you a story mijo and then you like flashback to the past and you go to the present etc etc but it's a lot of fun it's a little traditional for my taste just in the whole sense of like you know his love interest uh julia is like this like pretty girl at the front desk and etc etc so that you already know me i get really tired of that plot really quickly but it's very wholesome show basically is what i'm saying it's wholesome it's it's pretty funny and one thing that i will say that i don't know if non-spanish people non-spanish speakers will notice this but a lot of the a lot of the show like at least 55 percent of it if not more is in spanish and they do it so seamlessly that i don't even realize it when and i don't know if that just means my spanish has gotten better uh it might be a mixture of both i don't even realize it when they're switching from english to spanish anymore like it's just it's the way that they structure the dialogue is so seamless that it just becomes a natural part of the show instead of the oh hey let me just show you that we are a spanish and mexican show by like throwing in a couple of words here and there orale hey padre i mean this said in mexico but what I'm saying is, is that like, you know what I'm saying is like when some shows like try too hard to throw in the Spanish words, they're just sort of like a cherry on top sort of way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But like, especially talking about like Acapulco, which for a lot of people don't know the real Acapulco. I mean, obviously this is the real Acapulco on the show, but like in, 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 in like real history. <laughs> so we're saying that um, Acapulco was that thing in the 70s and the 80s. It was like what Puerto Vallarta is now. Acapulco was that. Now Acapulco was like not what it was. Very violent now, like cartels and stuff like that. It's yeah. not. It's not really what it. Yeah, what but it I mean, was. also this this show is uh, set back in the eighties. Right, exactly. Where it was at yeah. the, at the peak. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. I think it's very entertaining. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep watching it throughout the rest of the season and like finish it out because I really do enjoy it. Um, and so yeah, Apple TV Acapulco, uh, catch it. Um, I think every. Like, new episodes come out every Thursday, and I give it, like, a seven and a half out of ten Veronica stars. Seven out of, seven and a half out of ten Veronica Iros. Cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. With me, because I am a man of the culture and I keep in tune with spooky season, I've been catching up uh, on something, you know, spooky horror related for my good looking out. So for me, what I want to talk about is the Chucky TV series. Oh, yeah. I've seen you watch this. Yes. You heard that right, folks. For, for those who do not know, the legendary killer doll Chucky is back now in TV format for all ages. Not really. I'm, you know, I'm kidding. You know, parents, please monitor what your kids be watching sometimes because they be wild. I know I was. <laughs> so, uh, um, uh, what I really like about this show is just kind of like how they went very grassroots when it came to like that horror element again, but they also take some liberties because it's not, uh, you know, a standard movie format, like really tailor it to the, to the small screen and you know seeing how chucky operates in a, a episodic format um i i really do like that a lot of the original people who worked on chucky for years and years uh, are on the show specifically don mancini for for those who don't know he is the screenwriter for chucky he's written he's written every single movie and um he's always inserted a little bit of himself into whether it be chucky himself or like maybe another character um and it, it's always something kind of personal. Like for, for people who don't know, Don Mancini is, is openly gay. And if you remember and see the Chucky, their son was uh, like a like transsexual. He was Glenn and Glenda. And that was kind of like a, uh, like a, almost like looking in the mirror, even though Don Mancini's not, tra- not, not trans, but it's. Uh, it just, is part of the LGBTQ right, exactly. community. And then this new series, the main uh, child character is named. Uh, Jake, and he is uh, also gay, and he's also kind of like struggling with like you know his. Sexual... I didn't know the main character was gay. Yeah, huh. yeah, yeah. He's gay, and he's kind of he's kind of struggling with like coming out. Mm. Um, but in the midst of all that, Chucky's there. Um, somehow, I'm I I feel like this kind of I think it's a direct not I think it's a continuation of the cult of Chucky, which was the last uh feature length movie that came out, which I saw, but I couldn't remember the plot exactly. So I think it kind of follows that that movie but even then you could kind of like figure out what's going on so chucky's kind of like back uh but the way he's he's acting is almost uh, to put it very simply like almost civilized like he's like helping this this boy jake whereas previously like like every time chucky got around kids was to take their soul so he could get his so to, so he could get out of the doll body and get back into it like a real human Human body. Yeah, because then he used to be like a serial killer or yeah. something like that. Yeah, I mean he's still is a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, Charles Lee Ray was is the name of uh Chucky's uh, real name, but it is kind of like exploring and through like like flashback sequences like Chucky's like upbringing, because apparently he grew up in the in that town that the, that the TV show was set in, and it's also for somebody he's like kind of like an ally to Jake where he's like. Yo, Jake, like, like those people that mess with you for being different, I'll take care of them. Like, like that kind I of mean, thing. I mean, like he's still being murderous he just being, because he's being murderous for the wrong, right reason. Right, he's, make him any less murderous. Exactly, and then you like you start to see like this conflict with like Jake, where it's like, yeah, these people are really, really shitty to me. Let me. Yeah, how, but how then about, that's where you like, you know, get like shootings and stuff. That's not okay. Right, right, right. But like, I think I mean that's the whole like horror element to it. It's like, can this like, and it hasn't gone to that point yet, but it's like. Is this kid really capable of like doing something heinous just because his dolls tend him to do it? Like, That's so I I 
can't have social justice issues with my horror movies. No, like it's just too much. Like, I, much. like, I like, like I don't know. Like, it's an interesting concept. It, there's only two it's episodes out, and concept. I think I think episode three actually comes out tonight. So, and they've Are you been gonna watch it. Uh, I'll have to wait because. Uh, Fortunately for people who are fans, they're releasing the full episodes on YouTube for free. So mm. this thing is on USA and Sci-Fi, so it's on cable. But if you don't have cable, uh, you can just wait till the YouTube um, edition is uploaded. That's and, cool. That's just, really cool. And watch it then. So yeah, I, which makes me think it's probably like a mini series. Mm-hmm. Like they're probably doing this because you know they probably realize it's not going to be a lot of episodes, mm-hmm. and they just upload all of them to get like more. Which is really smart. You get more fans. You get more views than people who are really interested in the show. Uh, I don't think I would have watched it just because I don't have those channels if they weren't uploaded to YouTube. Mm-hmm. So, I love the show. Very creative. Um, Chucky is, once again, animatronic, which he always says. You know, people really don't like... I think the creators don't really want to go the CGI route, which I respect. Mm-hmm. So, they keep it very organic. So, you see all the movements. Because part and of the creep... Uh, creep- factor of chucky is how he moves yeah himself. and that he's right there on set that, yeah. that's this doll is like right there so it's like it's you know mm-hmm. completely realistic so i love it great tv show i can't wait to see how it how it uh turns out with the later episodes and i'll give it a good i think i'm i'm, I'm in the same bubble as you i give it a good 7.5 out of 10 so far but that could go up to an eight just depending on how it goes and that's a big bad nope for me. You need folks, to watch it. Nah, 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 nah. I don't fuck with dolls and shit. Nah, that's not my thing. But anyway, that's been our Spooky Special yeah. the In Living Spanglish. Uh, if you're out there, be safe, turn up, happy Halloween, happy Dia de los Muertos. Uh, and that is it. We are out. Oh, oh. My hope is that you ba. see how Spanglish has closed the gap and formed a synergistic approach for communication. Thank you.